I stuttered. I actually took a second and I realized there's such a pivotal point in my life. And there was another one that happened after this, but I realized that I wasn't fucking disappointing anyone else in my life. I was disappointing myself. Yeah. All right, we are. Like we are. I just started. We're officially started. Hello. Welcome back to the Kindred Spirits Podcast. Thanks for joining us again. If you have not already, go rate us five stars, whether you like it or not, please. And then DM <laughs> us in Instagram to let us know your real opinion. Yeah, if you we'll don't like it, it, just DM us. Uh, just still give us the five stars because we need that to grow. Yeah, but we need it. You'd help us out. We'd really appreciate it. Yep. Um, we're here today with a super special guest that uh, I'm pretty pumped for. I know you are. Uh-huh. Um Steven, go ahead and introduce yourself, man. Hey, I'm Steven Leipzig. Leipzig. Um, See, I was going to say his last name, but I screwed up. Dude, I've heard Lespig, Lipschitz, Lipstick. (laughs) Lesbian's pretty close. I like the Lipschitz. That's pretty good. Lipschitz is funny. Yeah, I like that. It was a lady driving us home from church, and we're all beating the hell out of each other in the back seat. And she she's on the phone with her husband, and her husband's like, "Where the fuck are you?" And she's taking the fucking Lipschitz home. (laughs) So we were the Lipschitz boys for a while. That's okay. That'd piss me off. I'm like, you know what? Just drop me off. <laughs> Let's go and drop me off. You can go home. I don't care. I'm really a lot shorter than y'all now. I just adjusted <laughs> my chair down. Uh, you know what? But I'm chilling. I'll chill right here. That'd be all right. Um, Steven, I'll give people a little bit of background of how we even met. So I met Steven a week ago, a week and a half ago. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Um. So thanks for being here, man, because pretty, uh, pretty fresh relationship we've built. I but like the evolution of our relationship so far. It's looking very good. Rapid. Yeah, it is. Well. Honestly, it's looking great. I have, just for everyone out there, I've already been to Steven's house. He's got a hot tub over there, and it's badass. So we've already sat down <laughs> in the hot tub, chilled out, smoking some cigars, had some steaks, had some pizza, even had a damn fire. Um, and did. all with my fiance out joining us, Tessa. She She's really enjoyed herself. So it's uh, pretty cool. We met... Uh, Steve and I met at a an event. It was a rebranding event um, hosted in Nashville, and uh, just so happened um, we're definitely. I think we're probably we're two of the ones around our age. I, I think most everyone else was a little bit older. But uh, Stephen approached me, and we just started talking. And um, yeah, it was like man, all these topics. I was like, this is insane. You are exactly what like clay and i i was explaining who clay was i'm like we have to have you on the podcast man let's get this going and so didn't expect to have him on this quick but then uh, clay suggested it today he's like you know what we got the time see what his schedule is let's pull him out and uh here we are so hey again, thanks for having me thanks to have you dude yeah i appreciate I'm it excited. so yeah chad's told me a lot about you and i just want to like i guess kind of get down into it because there seems to be a lot of topics that we can discuss i mean just talking a little bit before the podcast started everything you said i was like dude i would want to do that or talking about the van life talking about hiking machu picchu and i was like oh my god dude you've already done like half the stuff that i've wanted to do so i just want to kind of get into it and kind of i guess start from where you want to begin and just kind of go through the entire years that you have wow um, yeah yeah, let's uh, let's do that because give it, give the people a little bit of your background. Go as deep as you want, as not deep as you want. I'm talking overview because you know my first call out of dude, that's awesome was the pressure washing business, and mm-hmm. then um, I've learned a ton about you from there. And I'm like, man, this is we cover a ton. So, yeah. um, I mean, t- to kind of hit everything that I think we want to hit, which is philosophy and business and religion and friends and spirituality and really the gamut of everything in life. Sexuality. Especially sexuality. (laughs) Clay's been winking at me the whole time. (laughs) Sorry, Neely. Such an important topic. He's an attractive man. (laughs) (laughs) He's got that red hair over there. It's glistening in the sunlight in the Bridgestone over here. So I'll probably start like childhood and kind of give you a high level all the way through. I think you and I have gotten in some of this, Clay. But that's really kind of the, I mean, it's the genesis of everybody, but it's the genesis of me waking up early and getting to shit done really quickly in life. I just kind of expedited the entire journey, which may have been a bad move. I don't know. Maybe you shouldn't be feel as old as I do at 25 years old. You I know, feel, I feel old as shit at yeah. 26 already. Uh, yeah. Well, I mean, everybody's got their own experiences too. So it'd be sure. interesting because I don't guess we've ever had any, like anybody that I know personally that has had the experience that I've heard. Chad, sure. say that you did have. You oh, have not had. at all, sure. man. And that's what, like, so I'm interested, and that's why I'm really interested about this podcast is seeing these people and their life experience yep. and what that has brought them as term in terms of like 
success, whether it be financially or personally success, or if they're more spiritually inclined than a lot of other people and just how they get to the point that they're at. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I was born in Wisconsin. At, I was just a wee little babe. Uh, I'm the youngest of four brothers. We're all two years apart. I don't know how they synchronized that, but it was perfect. My mom said she was kicking one baby off the lap and she's putting the other baby on. But I never got kicked off the lap, which was great. So I'm nice. still very I'm much, still the baby. I'm still the baby. There you I'm go. Still mama's boy. Totally and good with that. And 20, 2025. 25. Yep. 25. Right. So Kentucky, uh, we moved down from Wisconsin into Kentucky. <clears throat> My dad was a shithead growing up. Just not a good guy. Very physically abusive, verbally, emotionally abusive to mom, to us, to everything. So in Wisconsin, they kind of had this this thought that, you know, if we pick up and move our lives, everything will change. Um, I don't know if you've ever spent any time running from yourself, but it doesn't work out that well. You usually catch up with you. So we moved down to Kentucky, uh, Land Between the Lakes. I don't know if you know that area oh, well. Yeah. Ph- yeah. Phenomenal hiking. Right there on the Tennessee-Kentucky border, right? Yep. yep. Right there. Paducah area, outside of Paducah. So I grew up in a town of 1,200 people mm. for 14 years. I mean, lawnmowers on every lawn. I mean, just white people everywhere seas of white so it was a it was an interesting experience to have that so i i I come down to kentucky um very sheltered dad was very religious very big in the church and he cared more about the image that he was presenting that he had this perfect family and these four perfect boys and we were his perfect little gentlemen is what he liked to say Um, but behind the scenes it was a shit show so at six they pull me in. We're at a friend's house. They pull me into the living room. They're like, "You and your, you and my, your mother and I are getting a divorce." Um, I said, "Okay, can I go play?" Like I had no conceptualization of what the fucking yeah. divorce was. Yeah. I was six, and I grew up very sheltered. I've I've only gone to private schools. That's not true. I went to public school for one semester, but my entire life, aside from college, I've been put in private schools, um, private Christian schools, I should say, very Christian schools. So parents get divorced at six and it was the craziest thing. We were living, I saw Chad this other day. We were living in, we were living on the hog, man. We had a speedboat, like a 30 foot speedboat. We had a nice fucking house, like 4,000 square feet. We were in uh, Chickasaw Bluff. So this is all Indian, Native American land. Um, Kentucky's awesome. Yeah. The people suck. The land is amazing. It's beautiful up there. Really Just driving is. through and seeing like, especially all the, like the horses because they're huge for like the quarter horse. Oh, for or, sure. Uh, Thoroughbreds, mm-hmm. that's where the Kentucky Derby's raced, and just driving through, and they got all these beautiful land, beautiful farms with, like, amazing-looking horses. Like, holy crap, this place is beautiful. Yeah, It really is. We went cliff jumping, me and a couple of buddies, oh, nice. over in um, Land Between the Lakes. There's some great, like, rocks uh, on that, like, those we would call- those lakes, and we were... Yeah, I don't know. It's pretty sketchy. I mean, it's only like 35. Feet. I know people are doing like hundreds of foot, but 35 foot is a lot. It's scary. a couple of times. Yeah. Yeah, so you're looking scary. over the edge, you're like, ooh. Yeah, pretty intense, but it was for a guy's bachelor party um, that we'll probably have on here eventually, uh, eventually John Hill. But um, yeah, definitely beautiful area mm-hmm. for sure. So just kind of dropped right out of that life being, you know, the perfect, I mean, you could just picture like the quintessential white American family from the 1960s. That's what my dad was trying to recreate. And that's kind of what we look like. And so we, I just came dropping right out of that at six years old into single mom moves us into a thousand square foot ranch style house Mm -hmm. that she's renting the next town over. So I'm still in the same school. I've still got that kind of foundation. Um, but we were, it just, I, the best way to describe it from this point on, it was a fucking zoo. My entire childhood was just a free for all. Mom could not handle us. We are, I mean, we're, I'm, we're big guys in more than one way. Yeah. We've got huge personalities. And it started all the way back then. So she's got a six and eight, a 10, 12 year old at this point. And, um, yeah. So we just kind of hit to the horse races. Something that happened during that time that really shaped who I was. And it's taken me years to get to this point and accept it and realize it about myself. Something I don't share with most people, actually. Um, during that time, when I was six in Calvert City, I the thing that I did is I would play underneath the tree out front. We had a big, massive Bradford tree or something. And I had all these Tonka trucks. And I'd scoop dirt and I'd move it over here. I did this for hours. It was just me, myself, and my Tonka truck driving around. And it's such a, it's it's so allegorical or, you know, relates so well to what I do in my life today. Um, I really, I, I'm a deep thinker. 
I spend a lot of time alone. I like that. I like that space for myself. Mm -hmm. I like doing repetitive, slow things. Um, but first and foremost, I'm a builder. And I think I learned that at six, that like you can manipulate the world around you to, to, and manipulate's not a bad word. It's just, you know, we can adjust the things around us to change the, our, our destiny, what we want with life, where we're going. And you were just playing with talking trucks. Just playing with fucking talking trucks. But that realization came to you once you're older of like, where did this mindset right. first instill? Right. And then, you weren't six thinking. I'm a builder. I'm Bob the Builder. Hell no. Cartoon. no. Right. I mean, that yeah. stuff comes through later. And, and when you just said that, not to bring up more of your story, but oh, you good. had mentioned your, um, you and your dad had like built um, some houses or yeah, like refunds. Yeah. Yeah. Flip houses, build decks, build fences, anything that. So, I mean, just it. like reinstilling in you, like I can do this stuff that, yeah. um, I don't know. It's definitely, I can speak more to that on that like specific thought, but yeah, continue. That's, that's a, pretty interesting to hear you say that so we're all running around like crazy my mom apparently my older brother Andrew looked at my mom when he was 10 or something and said like I really want a man in my in our life again like I miss having a guy around so my mom was she was pretty frantic at this point too she had relied on men like most women do or at least did at the time um, so she called her college boyfriend from Germany Ansgar Buchholz didn't speak any English, hadn't dated anyone in 18 years, 19 years since they broke up. He was like a, a, a cook at this time, a sous chef, and um, just living alone in an apartment in Germany. And she said, hey, I've got a pretty good proposition for you. Do you want to like move to America and raise four stepkids? Oh and he said, fuck yeah, let's do it. <laughs> so next thing I know, dropped right out of quintessential white American family into whatever the hell this was. He moves two tenths of a mile down the road into an apartment and now there's just this like weird burly german guy that's and in he's, he's quote unquote the father figure to you and your three right. older brothers well that was the goal was to mold him into that. yeah i don't know if he ever really stepped into that yeah, role. yeah. but uh onscar's fucking amazing <laughs> if there ever was an angel on this planet it's onscar mm -hmm. but the suffering and hell that he lives every single day is wild wild and i'll get into that as as the story keeps progressing um so started to be more like a kid now riding bikes playing with kids around this kid gave me a lighter and it wasn't a lighter it zapped you it was like a little, little shocker toy so like i started learning i hated like, those damn things yeah right there's like a, <laughs> yeah. a piece of bubble gum you pull it right right it right you. yeah, yeah. Kids are assholes. I yeah. get it. We'd go break, jump into the Dollar General trash can and dumpster dive for fans and shit. And Why not? Yeah. Whatever. Buy candy cigarettes and think we're hot shit. It was great. So we're playing video games a little bit. We used to. There was a pit bull chained in the backyard, and he had like, um, like a clothesline running across the entire yard, and we would just dart through it, and whoever got caught by the pit bull lost. And then, oh my gosh. Yeah, it was great. And then there was like this game called Melee that we made up. And all it was is you get half naked and you beat the shit out of each other in the front yard. So we'd just be wrestling in the front yard. I mean, it was great. And I love that. I miss that. I think that so many, and I, you know, I can say this because I'm 25 and I've, I've experienced both ends of the spectrum. But when our parents and stuff talk about all oh, the good old days back in the 70s, you could have a beer and drive mm -hmm. around. You could slap your kid and everything would be fine. There, there's something about the freedom of allowing people to be individuals and not trying to structure a life around them or get them to fit a mold that society is preordaining for them. I think this lends itself a lot to the conversation you want to have about just men in general and how oh, we're suffering 100%. in society. 100%, man. I mean, I think, uh, I really don't think for, I mean, our, for, for you to know, Stephen, um, Clay and I's background, very similar from like family perspective, um, upbringing. Clay had two older brothers, uh, and I have one younger brother. But as far as like from a strict parent um, aspect and how that looks and kind of how they raise us is probably probably very similar. There's definitely probably some differences there. But um, I really don't think, and I say this all the time, I don't think I really started like looking into who I was as a person until – um, probably until I actually got my first job. Um, I mean, we, we were able to play around in the yard and do our own things and like, yeah, I developed like my own personality, but <clears throat> there's a deeper, there's a different amount of growth mentally that people, I think all individuals have from that, like late teenage years to where we're at now to mm -hmm. our mid twenties. And, um, 
I mean, the amount of growth, Clay, I think you've said it before. It's like, man, if you can picture that growth spurt that you had from like somewhere in middle school to going into high school, um, it's like you hit mental puberty at, at yeah, ex- yeah. Yeah, yeah, at like your late teenage years and it just starts going. And uh, my big thing was uh, Tessa, my fiance that you've met. Uh, she came from a total different family background and it was, um, she definitely was the wake up call for me. Cause I mean, uh, had, couldn't ask for a better, uh, upbringing with my parents very well off financially to the point when I was finally the age of like graduating high school. And I really didn't feel the need to go out and like get things on my own. And it wasn't until Tessa was there, um, that she really, I, I think it was one day she was like, are you ever going to like go out and get a job. And I remember her saying that. And I instantly, I was just like, man, I am a bitch. Like, what am I doing? I'm not doing that's, anything that's why God for myself. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. It's just to make you like, how to push you, you when that happened. 19. It was when I and actually we, got, and when you say get a job, you mean like that, like something that pays or like an actual, something that pays, like what am oh, I God. doing? Because at that point you and I were just at Vol State community college. All I was doing was waking up, going to school and then coming back home and kind of like, you know, being pissed off that I lost the racing sponsorship at that point. Well, I would say I was working before then. You were, yeah, you, you were. <laughs> so a little bit, a little bit different, different state, yeah. right? You were working it, already. It was weird for me because I want, like, I started work when I was 15 years old, and yep. I wanted a mm. job because I wanted the money and that kind of financial independence. Yeah, but see, that's I think where some of our aware differences are in how we were raised. Like, if I really needed or wanted something, yeah. Mom and dad. I mean, I could have probably. I, got I think that cave. might be it because I, if I wanted something, yeah, then that's the first thing. When I got to that fifteen-year-old, sixteen-year-old age, it was like if I wanted something, you had to go get it. Go go get a job, and you can yeah. pay for it. It's like, oh crap. Okay, yeah. so yeah. that was a little bit different. And the, and the reason it was different on my side, and this is where it comes into like, it's so interesting too to see like I tell Tessa this I, recently with like going back and listening to some of these podcasts is I find it so interesting. Like when we had Trey on. Trey's background, completely different, just like yours. Uh, Trey, you would, we'll, we'll have to have you meet Trey at some point because he's an awesome guy. But um, I find it so interesting when we're all around the same age right now. All Clay are some backgrounds are different, but uh, Steve and yours is completely days and, and years apart of different from like where we came from. And then, um, but the type of person you seem as far as genuine and, and just a straight stand up guy and what you've turned into. I don't think, I mean, I think uh, your, your upbringing has a lot to do with it, but I just find it intriguing that all these people that are completely different on upbringing um, can have the same sort of mindset of that genuine just love for people and then also the uh, like hoping the best for people, just a good, genuine human being. Um, and I think that's really interesting. And I didn't think I really started almost having that form into my mind until I got the job at Discount Tire and we started, I just... I mean, instantly went into working my ass off and then going from there and doing the jobs downtown and finishing college. Um, I mean, honestly, I don't even, I can't even pinpoint, I think exactly what's got me to this point. It's been a combination of, um, individuals that I've met, uh, and, and learning from each of these individuals. I think yeah. that's another piece of it is like, you really don't get outside of your comfort zone and outside of your own family box. Mm-hmm. And when you do, then you start meeting other individuals that have total different backgrounds mm-hmm. and total different stories. And then um, perspectives, total different perspectives. And you can start learning and pulling specific lessons from each of these people. And um, a lot of that, that, that actual phrase there is pulling a lot of different perspectives and lessons out of different people is a big reason the podcast we're even doing this. Cause I think we do that a lot outside of the podcast. Oh yeah. Um, sure. And I think it's so many more people out there could benefit from it. Mm-hmm. Um, well, it's like all about same conversations. It's yeah, all exactly. about perspective. And we talked about it on the last podcast, like your perspective is really who you are and you might not be exposed to that. Like you, um, with your background, you know, we're not exposed to that. So it, whatever it lends you as, as far as like who you are as a person, you know, it, it's a huge deal. So, but I want to get back yeah. to like your story and kind of like I was going to say let's get back into it because like his background let's hear what your story so sure start back um you know your your uh I'll bring it in whenever Oscar perfect the, perfect America to to kind of put a cap on everything you guys just said life's just simply not long enough to make every mistake and if you aren't learning from others you're just not going to make it yeah and I was re- I am very fortunate to be the youngest of four brothers. 
because they kind of were my testing ground. <laughs> learn from their mistakes. I did in yeah. a lot of ways, and I still am. Unfortunately, I didn't learn all the lessons that I should have. You know, I still haven't. Yeah. But I'm sure they're learning lessons from you too, even though you're probably younger, right. Yeah. yeah, for sure. It's a give and take. It's a balance. We're what's cool about us is we're not. There's not a hierarchy. It's not the oldest, the youngest, the middle, the second. It's not that. It's just like four really good fucking dudes mm -hmm. that I would throw myself out this window for and without a blink of an eye. It's just it's a it's like it feels like we all survived World War Two together. And so we've, we're trauma bonded very, very effectively. I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. I think it's just a thing. Band of Brothers. Yeah, uh, it is Band yeah, of well, Brothers. He's got, he's got sure. a tattoo on his arm. They all have mentioned oh, yeah. tattoos. Oh, so. For sure. Yeah. Band of Brothers. Lads. Lads. Yeah, pretty cool. So my mom's Carolyn. My dad's Richard. And then Lads. So the license plate was CR Lads. Mm. And they didn't even realize this until they got to Lad. They got to David. And they're like, oh, shit. When we have a girl, because my dad always wanted a girl, it's going to be Sarah. I would have been a beautiful Sarah, <laughs> yeah. but yeah. I'm super thrilled to be a Sarah. You Stephen. can be a beautiful Sarah now. <laughs> yeah. Society, yeah. you're totally right about that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Depending on how much more learning you still have to do, I guess. Um, so, but yeah, back. So Oscar comes in yep. and um, he's living in Kentucky at this point and uh, living in an apartment down the road, starts going to college to just learn English, like learn basic freaking English. Um, my mom, my mom's very intelligent woman. So she speaks English, German, and French. And so they're always conversing in German. So I've got, you know, I've got, I know how to say all the curse words in German basically, because that's all you care about when you're growing up. Um, and so this guy's in our life kind of, you know, life keeps going on with that. They decide that they're going to get married maybe two years later. And so, I mean, there are, there are some good childhood stories right there. We used to, like, go in people's yards and collect all their, their nuts that had fallen from the tree, and then we put it in a bag, and then we'd open the door and sell it to them for 20 bucks. So, <laughs> That's awesome. And it worked. That was amazing. We used to, I would lay down in the middle of the road, and then the cars would stop, and my brothers would go sell a cup of water for 20 bucks. So that worked out really well. Oh, heck yeah. So we're all entrepreneurs. <laughs> so like you said, right. manipulating the environment. For yeah. sure. Yeah. yeah. We all kind of figured that out, you know? And who's going to say no to a bunch of cute kids laying down in the middle of the road? So they get married. We move into, uh, it was, it was, it's really three acres, but it's surrounded by like 50 acres. So it feels like you're in the middle of the woods and nowhere, which is great. So I grew up like butt naked as much as I possibly could be. Mm -hmm. So I don't know. It's just, it's very comfortable. It's just who I am. Yeah, man. I still do. I love that. Oh, right I now. love it. I yep. love it. Tessa love it. it. Well, that's why you moved to Montana. Uh, she says she hates it. She probably likes it. She likes it. Tessie, you like it. <laughs> <laughs> You're lying to yourself. <laughs> so, so we move into this house, and it's a shit show. My mom buys this house for like 80000 bucks in maybe 2005. Shit show. It was terrible. Awful brown carpets. It was disgusting. I was like, how the hell is she going to do this? And sure shit, we gutted the house, ripped out all the toilets, ripped out all the carpet, redid everything. So that, you know, kind of reinforced this, oh, you can take things and make them better. You can make them into what you want them to be. Mm -hmm. um, we had a, a flower pot out front when we were modeling the house. My oldest brother, who's a little bit hefty at this point, uh, and he had to take a shit. Oh, no. And there's no toilets in the house. So I can see where this is going. There's fertilizer for yeah. flower. Dude takes a shit in the flower pot out Drops front. deuce in the pot. And my mom's like, this fucking kid. So she grabs me and she says, Stephen, grab the pot. I'm sending you guys to Germany. <laughs> oh, gosh. So mom and I carry his the pot into his room. <laughs> we leave the shitty flower pot in Luke's room. That's my mom. That's a way to learn a lesson. That's the, my mom's a gangster. She, you know, she, she didn't, she didn't want to raise pussies. Just full stop. She wouldn't do it. And that's just not her. You know, we may have egos the size of the moon and have some superiority complexes, but she would much prefer it that way than the alternative. And I appreciate that. I, I, I get it. So really estranged from our dad at this point. He, he Oh, that's a great part of the story I didn't even get to. Um, six months after, a 17-year marriage with my mom, four kids. My dad's like, you know what I should do with my life? I should jump on eHarmony and like marry the next person I see. And I quit on my first marriage. So I'll never quit on my second marriage. Seems a logical thing to do. Though. Absolutely. Yeah. That's the pivot. You do the antithesis <laughs> of everything you just did. That's the pivot. It's a great move. So he marries Susan. Susan. Redhead. Ooh, charmer. Bad alcoholic. Yeah. Bad alcoholic. Really just, just, terrible. This God. is the first stepbrother. I got a, a baby stepbrother named Evan at the time. Oh, 
And it was, dude, it, they, they would like shower together. He was like eight. Oh, your stepbrother oh, and the mom. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. It yeah. was it was strange. Oh my goodness, that's a little old because that's that's you know your memory kicks in way before the eight year old yeah. mark. So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Man. So, so the, my dad then chases her down six months later to Nashville, and they get married. They're on the cruise, second day of the honeymoon. My, mm. my, she rolls over in bed, looks at my dad, and says, "I never should have married you. Oof. I married you because of your boys." So, so thanks for the compliments, Susan. We appreciate it. But yeah, Jesus second Christ. day of the honeymoon. They wow. spent seven years together. Holy shit. Seven years seven after years, that. Seven years after that. Seven years after she told after she that said that. That was, that was the honeymoon that oh, she wow. said that on. So did she ever make any passing attempts at you or your brothers? No, like no. Like after that? No. No. <laughs> I think just I got to ask. I just got to ask. I'm sure the audience. But it was, I mean, it was, <laughs> it was, it was, it was chaos. It was awful. I mean, I can vividly remember us i think my dad was in hermitage at this point and um we, we're at the top of the stairs bawling her eyes out and she's downstairs and they're screaming at each other and she used to scream at my dad and call him the spawn of satan mm. which is a really interesting insult i've never out heard anyone else say that the spawn of satan so not even satan like you're worse you're like satan's child mm -hmm. But what was so great about Susan is she was very eccentric. And so while she's screaming, Richard, you're the spawn of Satan, she decided to take the TV clicker and beat beat her head with it like this. So she's beating the shit out of herself. Because that'll help the situation. Screaming Richard. Yeah. She may have been demonically possessed. I don't fucking <laughs> yeah. know. That she may have been the spawn of Satan. She was wild. Damn. Yeah. Damn, it was Susan. weird. It was super weird. Hope you're doing good out there now. <laughs> Get yeah, your stick together, Susan. <laughs> hey, she could type like 180 words per minute, so she had that going she's got for that go Yeah, she's yeah. got that going for her. She's like so. a court reporter, so she's just sitting in her oh office. And Tracking everybody's words. Yeah. What saying. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Interesting. And she had this lesbian friend, and they would like go hang out all the time. Mm -hmm. Well, But they were like really close. That's probably a... <laughs> Story in itself. I, mean, I don't. I don't even. Sound, I don't even. Know. It sounds like we need to get Susan on the podcast <laughs> and, and talk like, with her for. I'll a make that bit. happen. Yeah, yeah make yeah. that happen, man. We can't hear all this shit. From <laughs> you. We got to hear her side <laughs> of the story. Yeah. <laughs> so great. then you. Um, so we, I know so you, we move into this house. Yep. With Anscar, with my mom, us four boys. Um, I started. I went to Christian Fellowship School. This was the school was K through twelve, preschool through twelfth grade. 172 students. What's your age at this point? Eight. Eight. Oh, God. Okay. And so I started there in preschool. I was like the original person there. And then my mom taught at the school. So it's super intimate, tiny little campus, all this stuff. And so what I also learned during this time is that I could kind of get away with murder because I, I figured out the rules of the game because I grew up in a really small, insulated environment. Mm -hmm. And so I figured out how to very much like yourself, Chad, you know, remain completely unseen mm -hmm. while being in front of everybody yeah and just dance in the shadows but really you're right in the limelight but they just don't realize it you're just acting like you're doing what you're doing and it doesn't yep. really matter no one calls you on that so i really i learned this too that i could get away with murder i i got away with so much shit mm -hmm. all throughout all my school years it's incredible so we're at um we're living in these backwoods you know we get off school and we'd like get naked and dig a big pit in the ground and fill it with water and have mud fights and play airsoft and Ran around. It was great. It was nice. It was, these were all like pre me getting into gaming really badly. So going through school, really the next big pivotal moment. I mean, I was I was difficult in middle school. I was a difficult child. And Bill Rowley, you are the man, Bill Rowley. Shout out to Bill Rowley. Bill, we'll have you on the podcast. <laughs> we'll <find laughs> That'd be you. a great story. This dude's crazy. So he's the principal of my school. And he would his big thing is he would go to garage sales. And this fucking dude, he bought a fountain pen for like five bucks. Apparently, it was like vintage edition, one of a kind, Coca-Cola fountain pen, $40,000. He bought like some random holster one day, and he turns it around, <laughs> and it's like Billy the Kid on the back of it, oh $5,000. We can't, we can't have Bill on the podcast, can we? He can Bill on the podcast. Really? Yeah, why not? Okay. I, th I almost thought that you had mentioned this story and principal had passed away and then it hit me but okay good bill you're still here man. Bill, you're, you're still here we're podcast glad to have you so anyway he pulled me aside one day i was all unruly in middle school and this was such a pivotal moment too because i was just a shithead and bill looked at me and he said steven you're a leader when are you going to start leading wow 
That's deep. Yeah. How old were you? Seventh grade. Yeah. I don't know. Fucking what? Nine, ten, whatever that was. Yeah. yeah super weird moment for me. I was like, I'm a leader. Like I'm naturally a leader. What does that even mean? I don't know. But I think it's I think it's true in life that you're not like you're not you don't ask to lead. You don't desire to lead. I think it's something you're kind of called to. Yeah. And yeah. It's kind of like just part of your the synthesizing of your life story. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's become very true in my life too. So, oh, let me back this up. First grade. This was a, a, the next big traumatic experience, which all kind of plays together. And this this one's still interesting. I'm still trying to figure this one out. So we're in the tiny little thousand square foot house. My parents just divorced. On scares down the road. My mom makes car- caramel apples. And so she microwaves all this caramel. And she takes it out of the microwave and she puts it on the table. And I may, th- I may be over-traumatizing the story, but it was just so traumatic for me. This is how I recall the story. Somebody dipped a caramel apple and then brought it over me and dumped hot caramel down the right side of my body. So I'm first grade now, taken to the ER. I've got second-degree burns all over myself. I'm in a cast for like a couple months. Um, and then they make me go back to school, and this fucking bitch, Mrs. Pace, is like, yeah, you're just going to do your homework with your left hand. So I did and looked like shit. And there's always this disconnect. But when I'm back in school at that point, I was so I was sitting in the back of the class and there was a closet behind me. And I just felt like a demon was going to jump out and eat me. That was my thing. I just I thought a demon was going to come murder me. I had never conceptualized like any of these dark thoughts before this point. I was fairly insulated from the shit at this point. But there's something there about that. And I still have this, um, I have this strange dichotomy inside of myself that it almost feels like a very vivid gap between left brain and right brain. Like mm. there's, they're not synthesized. They don't connect mm. it, it perfectly. I'm kind of clumsy. I'm a little ditzy. Don't have the best balance. Um, my left leg hurts today because I, I put too much, like I put all of my strain and pressure on my left leg. Usually get tension headaches in the left side of my head. There's just there's this weird right left brain thing. I don't know what it is. But it seems to all kind of tie back into that. So shit really hit the fan in high school, uh, I guess eighth grade. Uh, Luke, my oldest brother, he was very big at this point. He got up to 300 pounds. Yeah, he was a big oh, boy. Jiu-jitsu, yeah. dude. Yeah, there's some big yeah, people. Yeah, that's, that's big, especially for his age because mm-hmm. his age wasn't. Uh, 17. Oh, yeah, 17, 16. 300 pounds. Yeah. Now, was this because, I mean, obviously he's eating too much, but did, like, is this like a kind of a mental health thing that he was just trying for to sure. cope with some stuff? For and, sure. Food was his only source sure. to like fill that hole that he may be experiencing. In video games. In video games, yeah. yeah we there's, all kind of fell into that trap. It's unfortunate. There's so many people out there like that. Like the yeah. obesity rate. What games? At that time? Oh, yeah. yeah. What he was huge into guns. You know, oh, guns. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And then we all got super into RuneScape. I got like 162 days of my life on RuneScape. Dude, that is the... Remember Tessa telling the other day? That is... Okay, it's interesting you mentioned that. Yeah. Phil, the guy I'm super close yeah, with. Yeah, yeah, That's the game he says he used to like love Dude, when RuneScape. he was a little younger. But I'd never heard of that or played that. It was always like Call of Duty, Modern Warfare 2, all those good oh, games. Yeah. Not to get off on the side of, of the side note, but I'm like, interesting. it's interesting that you... Okay, same same game. Yeah, so, and Yuri's Revenge. Those are, do you guys know Yuri's Revenge? Yuri's, no. Yuri's, no. Yuri's Revenge. Oh, no, no. Red Alert? No. Damn. I know, man. I was oh. never really big Clay in the game. would literally always be like, we'd get off high school. He'd be like, dude, playing, <laughs> playing COD at the house today? And we'd just, boy, we'd like cook nachos up in the room. And chill yeah, well, it was funny Duty. for me because like, I was never really good at Call of Duty. Uh, Chad was really good, and we'd play zombies on Call of Duty, and I'd always let Chad play. I never wanted to play because I always get like super anxious when like the zombies were coming after me. So like <laughs> after like the tenth level, when they start coming at you, yeah, like I'd shut down. I was like, dude, Just I start panicking, dude. I, I start panicking. I was like, man, I can't do this anymore. Chad, you're going. I want to watch, but I can't I'm like, do chill, it. Chill, man. It's just a game. It's I was like, no, nah, man. It's, it's real life. You Something about go. the games, man. There is a topic there. My brother, <clears throat> he got real into him. He's he, Chase is great at like Call of Duty and all those things, but. I don't know. Totally, we're the first generation to like really get to do those types of games. That's a great point. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> the first generation point. to do those types of games with that type of level of detail at that amount of time with people all around the world. Like that's when the mm-hmm. online started happening. You mm-hmm. were able to communicate. I mean, I remember the absolute 
trash talk that would go oh on <clears throat> over the microphone. I've said and some shit. <laughs> I mean, I think, yeah. <laughs> Just to admit I, that. I, I can't, I can't run to oh, politics. No, we can't even, we it's couldn't bad. repeat it on here because uh, they would definitely get it edited out. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I think we all probably have and it's crazy. Like, what the hell? It's, uh, it's a weird thought. There's but, such a, dis- I mean, I think we're seeing this on social media right now. There's such a disconnect when it's a disembodied figure somewhere out in the ether. Yeah. It Dude. doesn't mean anything. Well, there, there's no you, context to that. I mean, every time you look at a tweet or a text, it's mm-hmm. just words. There's no context mm-hmm. applied to it. Well, like yeah. Right now, what we're doing, having the conversation, you can see the emotion. You can see the inflection in their voice. For sure. And you can tell the context that within the words that they're uh, spoken. But on Twitter, all that's lost. And you're just up to your own, however you process it, whatever experience that you've had up to that moment in your life, and the way you process they, those words on the screen, that's how you take the words, and then it gets applied, and it just kind of exacerbates everything. Yeah, for sure. Especially with, I mean, the visuals, when you're talking like Instagram, mm-hmm. Twitter's one thing, right? It's the comment. When you see Instagram, we've talked about this a bunch with, it's so easy to compare yourself against everybody. Everybody's posting the best moments of their life on Instagram, right? It's not, yeah, it's everyone's it's not highlight the, reel. Yeah, it's, um, not, it's not the uh, nitty-gritty, the ugly or anything, and so it's the highlight reel, and you're looking at everyone's highlights, but what's crazy is right behind that screen on those highlights, how many times do you think those people that look so happy and stuff are bitching about, yeah. this is the 15th damn photo we've taken. I'm getting pissed off. This is ridiculous. It's on a timer. Yeah. All the different stuff. Like It all looks positive since just our mind is visualizing. And it's all filtered, too. Like it's, it's all filtered. Every, every, I mean, the ones yep. I post on Instagram, I do barely in filtering, and Neely gets on to me. He's like, you don't like... Even for... you, just I'm <laughs> glad you mentioned yourself doing this Instagram stuff, because we just started our Kindred Spirits pi- uh, Instagram go podcast. Follow. Please go follow Kindred Spirits podcast and leave them. Five Even though stars. we're talking about it, and guys, we post real shit. Sometimes we try to look cool, but we, you know, you hear us. We're not that all that cool. Um, <laughs> Clay, the other day, but this very is very self aware. Very self aware. <laughs> um, we Clay yesterday post the first time on a reel, an Instagram reel, and before you know it, this fucking video starts taking off. This little Are you serious? stupid video. Yeah, Clay's like, dude, go look at this. He's like posted it after, what, 30 minutes? And it's like up to 2,000 views. We have 20 followers at the time. Um, 160 likes and like over 3,000 views. And, and I had, we literally have like 30 followers. And yeah. it's in like less than an hour. And Clay's like, wow, this is like blowing up. This is where we need to do it. We need to post on our reels all the time. And so, and I knew, because I, I just had a little bit more experience with Instagram. Like, But it's just because it's our first reel. And Instagram realizes like it's part of the outcome. Oh right? my it's gonna, god! Like, this is part of the mm. give them the dopamine, right? Exactly. Get them stuck. So then, what happens? Our second Holy real post, shit. which was actually a little bit that's exactly it was, it. it was cooler. Some music was in there. It looked it had the bourbon shot or whatever. I thought it was cool. Nothing. <laughs> Clay calls me and he goes, "Man, or no, not even." I called you and you're driving to work. Was it this morning? I think or was so. it, it was yesterday morning? Whatever. And he goes, "He's so disappointed, man." I'm just freaking pissed off dude our freaking instagram reel like didn't go anywhere and i started laughing and i'm like yeah i mean that's the that's the point that's, that's how, they, how they get you and, uh-huh. and sorry and clay was just so new to the game that it like hit him but i mean this hits people and people that don't realize that or think um sit and think back i mean they then they sit there and they have that dopamine shot so now their whole life is just like Similar. I gotta get these lights. I gotta get it's the so views. It's so manipulative. I wish I would have done a lot better, like with the link and everything, for it to be my first one. <laughs> the first time. <laughs> yeah. You didn't even link our our account or our podcast or anything. Yeah. So Damn. Sc- screwed the pooch on that. But. So, so you you gotta delete the Instagram and remake it now. Exactly. To do your yeah, next yeah, yeah. first reel again. Kindred Spirits Podcast Two, <laughs> number two. Yeah, go, go like it. <laughs> go like it. <laughs> but for real, I mean, it is. Uh, it's a. It's it's pretty interesting, and I think it's even more interesting. Um, I almost wanna. I almost wanna pivot. I like the word you used there earlier. I almost want to pivot to when you reach 16, because I think that's where some of this kind of gets rolling. Really gets rolling with almost where you're the, um, just you start taking off uh, at 16 from from our stories. And um, and then even your, your gaming and your ability to like figure out online stuff and talking about how you even started advertising when you're young like get into it because i think that's so interesting like we still have no idea about any of that and that's where we're talking like it's so interesting the different lessons people learn from the paths that they've been given or that's been presented to them and whichever ones they've chosen yeah i I was really dropped into it i i had no idea what i was doing i wasn't seeking out to 
go down this path in any way. Frankly, I don't even know if I'm on the right path, honestly. I have a natural knack for business, and so I like that. And it also has economic reward to it, which is great. Mm-hmm. And then I get to do cool shit like this and meet cool people, which is what I value. But if, I, if someone asked me today at work, she looked at me and she said, what are you passionate about? Damn, I could not answer that Dude, question. Dude, same, same. I, can't I mean, it. I think Clay has a little bit better because we've talked about this. My answer is right now, like I don't know. I'm still trying to find it. I have no well, idea. Back then, it was racing mm-hmm. for me. Yeah, that stopped. I look yeah. at it now, and I'm like, racing's a dying sport. Like, what could I actually have done there? I mean, sure. I would have just been in this weird game and stuff. Um, but like actual passion, yeah, I have no idea. Couldn't couldn't tell you. So it's interesting that you say that. Mm-hmm. It yeah. hit me like a ton of bricks, and yeah. I, I we're having lunch next week, and I'm like, I don't know, Julie. Fuck, I'll hope, hopefully I can figure it out before then. And that's there's such a quality of that in life when you have that because I mean, fundamentally, we're animals. We are animals, and we're so sensitive to one another. Like mm-hmm. the energies that we pick up from people, and we're so we're so naive to it. We think we're like floating heads. Mm-hmm. And there's just, oh, there happens to be some limbs attached to you so you can do useful shit like feed yourself. Mm-hmm. But when you really like get into it and you allow yourself the oneness and the wholeness of being a human being and you are flowing from that spate, you can find fashion. And I think you just go so much further in life and have so much more reward yeah. in life. Yeah. And I think this is so much of what society is missing that I'm missing, but fucking men our age are missing. Is we, we honestly... We, we're kind of alone. Mm-hmm. We're kind of shitty to each other. And we're not really passionate about things. We don't really know. We've been well, put into a hyper-capitalistic man, society. are hitting on some of the points that Clay and I have talked about. We look, I, you probably just saw us. We both looked at each yeah, other right, and right. went to talk and jump in here. Yeah. And we were just like, no, you talk, you talk. Um, hitting the nail on the head. Uh, absolutely right. I think, well, Clay, you might have more thoughts you're like looking off into the into the uh into the uh, city horizon right now. Ready. probably, probably ready. deeper about it but you are so right with that comment that men are alone and speaking of that i'll get into more of a personal topic that i think i told you over the phone at one point so man it's blowing my mind right now at the moment because it's coming back to me but tessa and i um we bought that investment property down in florida we're building yeah. the house hope to see you there this week i will um, yeah, isn't that crazy? Two I know. Two weeks in, now I'm going to your vacation Two weeks in, yeah. Going to go over to it. It's not I like vacation. this It's a damn this construction. It's a construction house. So you'll be yeah, there's a beach. On a mattress on the floor. It's oh, a beach, right. yeah. Um, but man, we were sitting there, and there was one night. Uh, man, I just feel like, and I don't know how you either you feel, but currently over the past like year, year and a half, I have felt like I've just been no time to sit back, relax, and really put myself in my own head and think and just really... I, I don't know. Remember like where I'm at. That's why I value the cigar bar and the bourbon and, and like going out and hanging at your house and those, those type of situations. But I was out in Florida working on a house every freaking day. It's getting done with work, then working on the house to like get things done. And there's no break. Um, there's no TV, nothing to like take your mind off of anything. And I just randomly broke down to Tessa in the room. And I was like, man, um, I, I could not tell you like the last time I cried. Then that was it because I was just like, I, I don't know how to even tell you, Tessa, because I don't even know how to put it into words, but I, I feel so alone. And yeah. I was like, and it's nothing that you're doing wrong. Yeah. Like, I love you to death. You couldn't be better. Um, And I said, and it's not physically. I'm not talking physically. I don't feel physically alone. We hang out with, we have some of the best friends that I don't think any, any nobody could ask for better friends than what we have. Mm-hmm. But I told her, I'm like, I just feel alone on like, the aspect that I summed it up to was I feel alone of just like, I feel like I continue to, I got this genuine personality. I want to, I want to say that I, I like to believe I have this genuine personality that I care for people and I care for others. And I really do want the best for people. And that's only come, you know, over the last three years or so. And I feel like, uh, I told her, I'm like, I don't, it's, it's exhausting to like hang out with all these different, not our, friends in particular, but you meet so many people day in and day out and see all this stuff online. Right. Um, and we've some, we've talked about it, but you, the professional athletes you're seeing online, all these highlight reels that you're seeing on Instagram, like there is no feeling that you get from seeing all these other human beings and feeling like they have that same genuine, um, like care for what's going on in your life. And I mean, honestly, can't really expect them to. You have your own life. Nobody's going to care about your own life as much as you, I think. Um, 
but to just know that other people were out there caring. And it was a weird breakdown moment. I had it. I, I like try to even still make sense of it today, but it was a very weird moment. And, and that was the word I used to tell her was like, I just feel alone. Like, I feel like I have all these responsibilities on my, on my back. Um, all these things I want to do and I want to get myself to, and I'm comparing myself against all these things I'm seeing. Um, you know, I mean, obviously she was there for me. She's fantastic, but, uh, yeah, just different. And then I had to sit back and take a breather and just remember like, like when we talked with uh, Trey, um, or was it Trey or was it uh, DJ with the, the little speck? The picture with the spec. Oh, that was Trey, yeah. Trey. It's all about perspective. I, it's almost, yeah, it's all about perspective of like having to take a oh, deep breath. Where they turn around and take a photo of the earth. Yeah, yeah. okay. Stephen yeah, knows telescope. It. I fucking love that. Yeah, oh Every my God. If you guys you've still have loved. not looked at it on Instagram. Yeah. Well, I haven't posted it yet. Coming to you live for on Friday. Oh, that's yeah. right. Okay. All right. Well, don't be a loser. Go and like it. Cam, damn it. And, and watch it on the reels. Because so we, we talked about views. that and the importance of perspective and yeah. what it, because there's a great quote by uh, Carl Sagan explaining it all. But going back to what you were cha- saying, Chad, um, and you comparing yourselves to other people, that's where, you know, pe- people really get messed up as they start to compare their lives to other people. And it's extremely important to not only you got to like sit back and reflect on what it is that brings you the innermost peace. And me and Chad have talked about this, you know, ad nauseum at, at cigar bars and with other guys, just the importance of understanding what your values are in life. Okay. Mm-hmm. Take, take money, take job, take all that down. But what, if you can narrow it down to three things or four things, whatever it may be, what are the most, what are those things that you're passionate about? And whatever those are, Every decision from that moment forward, the decision is to enhance or to restructure that pillar of your life so that you can all around be a greater person. And for me, like one is like my family. Obviously, I don't know. A lot of people probably have the same pillar. Family is extremely important to them. Um, God, their religion, whatever your religion may be. Um, also, my wife, which kind of falls into the family thing, but I feel like she deserves her own pillar. Whatever decisions I make needs to go in enhancing those three things. And mm-hmm. then also, what is it me personally do I value? And that goes back into what are your passions? What are your, your values in life? What do you love to do? And for me, I can say that, you know, barbecuing is a huge thing that I love to do. I mean, I can't wait to go out on the weekends and just go smoke a, a Boston Bud or a brisket. Um, hiking. We were talking about hiking earlier. Going out and being outdoors is a huge thing for me. Uh, reading books, things like that. And it wasn't until really COVID hit hard that I really sat back and kind of reflected on that part because it's extremely important not only to focus on your mind and body, but also to focus on your spirit. And I think that's where a lot of people are starting to get mm. like feeling that incompleteness is because they're not exploring what makes them happy spiritually for sure and it doesn't have to be religion i mean it, it could be that's a great thing to sure. to create happiness and to create meaning in your life for sure but it's, a, it's a reliable method that's been exactly there for a but there time. are also other things that could give you spiritual happiness mm-hmm. and whatever that may be you have to explore that and you have to understand it within yourself so it's going back to what y'all are saying for sure i mean it really wasn't until covid hit and if you, you really don't understand until you start to reflect on it yourself and create that mental awareness, okay, I need to sit, uh, meditate, and figure it out, or I might go for a walk outside, outdoors, and just think about what gives me – and it's, a, it's something you have to work for. I mean, it's something that just doesn't come to you in the middle of the night. You have to, like, search for that what is that meaning. So. There's a great book called That Which You Are Seeking For Is Causing You to Seek. Mm-hmm. Oh, and does it? I like about, I like that. That's the title. That's the title. I like that. Just, it's great. It's, it's like phrase. it's like eighty five pages, but so much of this shit. And we we I mean we can't help ourselves because we're monkeys, but we focus on so much external shit. Mm-hmm. You know, I want the status, the car, the money, the women, the whatever. And these all can be holistic approaches. The family, you know, the, like there's nothing inherently bad about any of this. But if we know anything about life on a fundamental level is that it's always changing, it's always in flux, and it's always decaying and dying. So if you if you really build any bit of what is happy for you, what happiness is, if it's an external state of mind, it's always going to be fleeting. You're always going to be chasing it. And I, it really, I'm speaking this advice to myself right now, the, the journey is never on the outside. The journey is always on the inside. And I think we're all suffering in our own way because we're, we're kind of suffering through our own journey and trying to find 
find the friend inside of us. It's insane. I think, uh, I think about this pretty frequently. I think a lot of people do. They just don't talk about it too much, but, um, so the journey inside, like everybody is going through their own journey, their own path. And, uh, what the hell is this white thing out here floating? Do you guys see this in the air? Oh my God. <laughs> okay. Sorry to get off on a, like a weird subject. There's like a weird, large, we're like 26 floors up on the Bridgestone building. There's a large, um, I feel like a cobweb in the wind, but yeah, that's what it looks like. It's weird. It's trying to speak to us right now. Um, but, uh, no, it's, uh, like when you see the traffic, like Clay, the traffic on the way over here, when I was bitching about how freaking uh, mm-hmm. backed up the traffic is like all those people have their own journey they're going through. And yeah. it's, I forget all the time. I'm like, man, every single individual there has their own family, has their own set of passions, has everything they're doing. Fears. Um, and you're talking 7 billion. You can't even put that like over seven, almost 8 billion now in the, in the planet. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't even put that into perspective. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's, it's just crazy. And when you were just mentioning your passions, like barbecuing, um, I'm like, well, what do you do for someone that's like a, a Steven or a me that just hasn't even found that portion yet? And yeah. I do actually, um, when I try to think of like what I really enjoy doing, I've told you mm-hmm. this actually plenty of times is actually building, like building mm-hmm. the chicken coop in the mm-hmm. backyard, working on this house. Mm-hmm. Uh, I do really enjoy that. What sure. I, I would much rather be doing that day to day. Um, but I don't know. It you breaks to, my heart that we're losing this as a society. The yeah. value of going and knowing how to build things. For men, oh. it is so cathartic and healing to go out and make some shit happen. Go build something. Go fix something. I think that ties so close into the way that you view like it's so important for men to go out and like their their inner man, like yeah. going and hiking and going and camping. The whole reason we did our well, hike. It's, it's kind of going back to that primitive kind of lifestyle. I mean, mm-hmm. you know... We started out as men and women having to build things in order to survive. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a very primitive cooking over a fire, barbecuing, or going on a huge walk or a hike outdoors. Mm-hmm. Everything is coming back to this primitive kind of a lifestyle. And I think that really speaks, if you're able to sit down and reflect on that, what is that trying to say? Like, why is this primitive lifestyle? Is it try- us trying to get away from all the external things that, like social media and the way this world is now, is it just trying to cope with that? Like, what is that? Yeah. You know, the, um, you know, statistics at all. I'm looking at Steven for those of you. Yeah, we for sure. We're not filming, but do you know the statistics? Cause we've talked about this, um, of like primitive civilizations, what the suicide rate is for primitive civilizations oh. versus like the modern day, um, first world countries. I'm first sure. I'm country. sure it's dramatically higher. I can, how do you even ascertain way, that though? Way lower. Yeah, I'm sorry. Flip it. Yeah, I'm higher way, now. Yes, is what I'm higher saying. here because we have first world countries. we have lower mortality rates now, but the efficacy of our sperm has fallen off a cliff. So well, we're naturally killing ourselves out there. Yeah, but it's like we what, we yeah. talked about it to. Um, yeah, so like, much what higher do they now. look forward to? For sure. What do they look forward to? Right? They don't have. They're not looking forward to getting a damn um, Maserati or a Mercedes or anything. They don't have any. We of are that. so addicted to dopamine. What's we're their dopamine out there? Do- and it was normal things. It was very basic hits of sugar, food, yeah. sex. Yeah. yeah. We killed an animal. We're roasting it over yeah. a fire. This is right. badass. Let's have our freaking uh, whoop-de-doo dance around the yeah. fire. I spent 24-7, 365 stimulated with any experience I want. Mm-hmm. Anything. Any drug that I want. We are the most comfortable monkeys that ever walked this planet. And we're fucking miserable. And it's crazy. And the solution to this, so we think, is to keep going down the path we're on. But how the fuck do you stop it? Mm -hmm. How do you stop it? How do you stop it? I don't know if you do. I don't think it's possible. Well, it goes back to searching within yourself to see what truly fuels you and see what drives your passion. We need people to wake up. Yeah, exactly. You got to wake up yourself. Best gift you can give to the world. Wake up. Yeah, look wake internally. Up, you bitch. <laughs> wake up. Clay's sleeping over here, guys. I'm not like over snoring. But I want to kind of get back. I know we took a huge tangent off. Yeah, yep. Um, and I think we left off when you were about 16. Is that right? Yeah. So getting into that, I'm gonna back it up just the t- just the hair yeah. we got because this is very pertinent at the time. So I'm a freshman in high school, and um, I was sexually molested by my oldest brother's only friend at the time, mm. um, and I instantly went into my mom kind of broke that whole thing open uh, but sexual trauma sucks the majority of people have it especially women mm-hmm. a lot of men suffer with it i think it's it's showing itself in society and our sexual appetites in a negative way and 
I mean, fuck, I would never want my child to go on Pornhub. I'd beg for my baby boy to, you know, not my baby child, but for a boy to look at Playboys as opposed to Pornhub because mm-hmm. it's fucked up. And yeah. it's, it's fucked up the, the way we're going. But it's it's all over. And so I'm very passionate about mental health. I'm very passionate about sexual abuse. I'm very passionate about drug addiction. I guess if I'm passionate about anything, it's those three. Because yeah. they're, they're experiences that are so visceral to myself. And most people suffer quietly. And they never do anything about it because they're afraid. And I get that. So that's why I overshare with this. Mm-hmm. I talk about it a lot. I've been in therapy most of my life. Um, horrific. And it wasn't even that bad relative to most people. Um, horrific, destabilizing in every way. So from 11 to 13, um, I fell way off a deep end, very suicidal. I attempted suicide a few times at this point, started uh, self-mutilation. So I'd cut myself, um, dropped out of high school at this point for the first time, played video games all the time, really got into TF2, Gary's mod, PC games kind of stuff. Um, and then I was completely nocturnal. So I would, I would go to bed at 7 AM and I wake up at 7 PM. I completely flipped it. And the emotional hell that was the inside of my chest had started to um, present itself physically. And so I would throw up after every meal. I had constant migraines. My mom carted me to all these different specialists and doctors all the way to the point where she almost took me to the Mayo Clinic because she's like, what, you know, what the fuck is wrong with him? Nothing is physiologically wrong with me. But what stress and trauma due to your body is incredible because it's a, it's a, a whole connected system and you're going to have a fantastic conversation with David about all this stuff. He lives and breathes this, mm-hmm. but this is a huge thing we're missing in society that really pisses me off. If you, if Clay's leg was bleeding out right now, cause he stabbed it, I'd get his ass to a hospital. Mm-hmm. And yet if, if Clay is in a deep dark place and he wants to go shoot himself you know we dismiss it pull yourself up by the bootstraps be a man about it don't be a pussy exact, get your shit together yeah it, it's fucking ridiculous yeah and that's i think is the biggest problem right now with the suicide rate and if you look at the stats it's mainly all male yeah and it's that societal i guess stigma that they have against males like pull yourself up you're a man men don't have mental problems you know right. so get over it suck it up basically mm-hmm. i mean there's I've heard that countless times and I come from a great place too, like my upbringing and everything, but you go through life going through where you play football or we work in discount tire for years and you hear that all the time. Come on, man, be a man. Mm -hmm. Or if you are having an emotional day and God forbid you cry or something or shed a tear, like, dude, what the hell is the matter with you? Like be a fucking man. Right. It's like, okay, what does being a man actually mean? Mm -hmm. You know? So I hate that, but go ahead. Yeah. Yeah, I do too. So that's why I talk about that a lot. Um, dropped out of high school at this point. I was just at a total breaking point in my life. 13 years old, December 28th, 2013 or something. Um, I hadn't spoken to my dad in years. We just got into the legal system for being so truant in school and doing a lot of drugs at this point, self-mutilation, really spiraling in a dark place. So I threw myself into rehab. I just kind of pressed the, hey, let's press the surprise button because nothing else is working. Um, that was a weird experience. What age? 13. 13. Okay. Wow. Yeah. That's, that's nine, super young. Yeah, for sure. Great job for you for doing that for yourself, though, mm-hmm. at that yeah. young of an age. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Kind of had to. Had any of your brothers at that point been in? I know Luke did. I think David did twice, too. Okay. Yeah, I think three out of four of us did. So did I'm sorry. Did for sure. Did you Not and all your brothers? Into it, but no. just because I'm like, we're talking about learning from those that are in your life. Yeah. So I was just wondering, like, did that put the idea in your head, or did you say, okay, I'm, I'm gonna try this as well? So that mm-hmm. was, I was just curious about that. Yeah. What's up? I was, I was gonna ask. So you and did all your other brothers suffer from mental health issues, or? Oh yeah, for sure. Okay. Yeah. Okay. We've, yeah. For sure. And all kind of different too. Um, like my older brothers, it, very clear, concise trauma from their, from being very young with our father. Like, hey, he did that. Mm-hmm. See, I don't really have that, which is weird for me. And I'm, it, honestly, and it's weird to say this, I'm a little envious that I don't have that. I wish that I had a pinpointed fixed point in time where I could say, like, this should happen to me. Let me go work on that. Mm-hmm. Instead, what happened is I was birthed into an environment of terror and chaos all the time. And I've had to spend a lifetime trying to find 
a way to feel comfortable in most normal settings. When shit hits the fan, I'm flying high. I feel great. I'm on my P's and Q's. That's where I'm comfortable. In normal life, I'm so unsettled all the time because mm-hmm. I just, I'm waiting for the atomic bomb trigger. I'm waiting for something to happen. You're waiting for that monster you were referred back to right. come out of the closet. Right. Yeah. And so I, I've got a hair trigger to myself and I'm a very intense person because of that. What is very difficult for me, what, what is very difficult for me to go relax and have a good time is because it's like I'm so accustomed to just living in this war-torn environment. That's really how it feels. Um, so put myself into rehab. My mom's there. I'm screaming god-awful things at her. It's all her fault, whatever. I walk out of rehab, and my dad's waiting there. And I'm like, what are you doing here? And he's like, you're coming home with me in Nashville. I'm like, fuck you. I'm, I'm going home with David. I'm smoking a bunch of pot. Get out of here. And so I beeline for the traffic, and I'm walking up to the intersection. I'm just gonna, I'm like, if I can't live with David in Kentucky, I'm going to go kill myself. So I look, I look to my left, and this motherfucker is right on my shoulder. He's walking right with me. He just makes eye contact with me, man to man. And he said, if you're doing it, so am I. Wow. And I just, that, that's it. I stuttered. Mm-hmm. I actually took a second and I realized there's such a pivotal point in my life. And there was another one that happened after this. But I realized that I wasn't fucking disappointing anyone else in my life. I was disappointing myself. The game was never to see what I could get away with from my parents. That's never what it's been about. It was a true ownership in that moment that this is my fucking life. I got to live it. I got to fix this mess. I got to figure it out because no one else is going to do it for me. Mm-hmm. So I got to work. 